Hey, this is Hunter Henry of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in everybody to the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Edition podcast, where every yard counts well, provided you play decibel scoring. Anyway, <laughs> welcome in. We have a great show ahead of you today. I am your host, Rob Groomwood. You can find me on Twitter at FFBritBaller. And the show is at F10YFantasy. And we, of course, are hand-in-hand with the full 10 yards. Uh, and we are delivering you a, a really good podcast tonight. We have Tom Kislinberry, who is from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, he's a senior writer over there. He knows his stuff. We had a fantastic interview. You uh, yesterday, so I am bringing that to you uh, for your ears today. We are going to be talking running backs uh, in particular. We are talking handcuff running backs, so running backs that are currently backups that might have an opportunity later on in the season for for one reason or another. And yeah, it's, it's a fantastic show. So uh, get ready for that. Uh, but first, uh, we're not going to head into any news today, just because there's not a heck of a lot of of big news. There's a lot of training camp jargon going on. At the moment people looking good people not looking good people going down injured uh, that will be covered pretty much tomorrow on the full 10 yards main podcast uh, that drops on a wednesday so check that out and also for while we're here uh, get a bit of housekeeping out of the way uh, for the full 10 yards fantasy in particular we have got some excellent uh, podcast episodes coming your way uh, in the next couple of weeks i've got some major guests lined up uh, which yeah it's going to be brilliant so so do stay tuned uh, this week later on in the week we have mike taglier from fantasy pros uh, we'll talk some some breakout candidates there and some busts as well potentially and uh, next week we uh, have got a very special treat for you with two of some of the finest analysts in the business coming to speak to me exclusively just for our podcast at the full 10 yards so without any news we'll uh, we'll just hit straight on into the nitty gritty of the show and i'll play you what we recorded yesterday and joining me now is uh, well, a good friend of our podcast from now on tom uh, tom kisenberry from the dlf uh, you are here to talk some uh, committee running backs and some handcuffs with us uh, first and foremost how are you bud Wonderful, thank you. It's been a really good day, a long day at work, but always nice to come home and talk football. Exactly, that's what we live for, and we're obviously so close to the season. Uh, How excited are you on a scale of (laughs) one to excited? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I saw one of those tweets that went out last week. It said, um, "This is this is the last week that hasn't got any sort of NFL action until February next year." So you go, "Ah, we've made it through that long off season, though that long yeah. dark tea time of the off season when nothing really happens and everything just waits." I know, and it's such a. It just feels so long, doesn't it? It feels the Super Bowl feels years ago. Um, you know, even the draft feels like it was way back in the winter in the dark cold months but uh, here we are training camp is well underway oh fantasy season start i've literally i've got two fantasy drafts happening as we speak so apologies if you hear my phone buzzing <laughs> off the hook as it were uh, but no tell tell us a bit more about yourself tom obviously I, I sort of butchered your intro there a little bit saying that you you're from dlf T- tell us about yourself obviously uh, you are an idp guy as well if those of you that don't know is uh, defensive uh, fantasy basically you have defensive players in your uh, in your rosters so tell us a bit about that and tell us a bit about what you're doing who you're writing for and, and where we can find you yeah, so um, I kind of try and try and cover the whole gamut of football. Um, I'm one of those people that doesn't really believe in in only concentrating on the the very few skill guys that carry the ball. Um, I love football. I love the sport. I love everything about it. So I like to follow all the positions and kind of work out how they interact together. Which is which is where defense comes from. Really, it's not that I just like tackling and hitting people it is you have to like everything so um i started watching football way way ago about 97 it started then got you know as you do with this game more and more obsessed um and followed the sport more and more um and then started kind of writing uh really seriously about 
three or four years, I guess. Uh, so I write for DLF uh, Dynasty League Football. If anybody's not familiar with them, then check them out. They're great um, and do a few other things as well. So I write for Gridiron, um, the the biggest and best uh, NFL magazine over here in the UK. Do a few things for there. Um, do a few other things kind of floating around and bits and pieces as well. But mainly I, I just like being on Twitter and talking about football with other people that like football as well. So um, come and hit me up on there and we'll have a chat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tom is very, uh, you're on, on Twitter all the time. I always see tweets from you and they're always good. They're always very uh, inf- in, uh, informative and stat based. And, you know, some of the stuff you put on there, does, it blows me away a little bit. So uh, we can find <laughs> you on Twitter. It's at Tom, at Tom uh, gen- de- oh, how, how, how is it pronounced? Uh, it's at Tom Degenerate. And I really should change it, it to just Tom Gislingberry. <laughs> it would make my life a lot easier. Uh, but I've never quite got around to it. So, yeah, on there because um, I'm a degenerate football fan, uh, as you can guess, <laughs> which is why we're talking now, of course. Of course, we all are. Uh, we all are, especially. Uh... Well, for me, it's, it's all about fantasy football. Um, you know, I, obviously, I love the game, love the sport, but fantasy football, I started playing a few years ago when I lived in Canada with my friends. They got me hooked on, on fantasy, and, and since then, it's just, yeah, I've just sort of ran with it. Um, excuse the pun. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> running backs tonight. Actually, it's quite a nice little segue. Uh, but no, thanks for coming on tonight, Tom. So let's get into the uh, the bread and butter of this podcast. And Lee's going to be very jealous. Lee is our, our co-host for the for the main Full 10 Yards podcast. He's a very defensive guy. So uh, I'm sure listening to, to you talk about the IDP there was is going to sort of uh, get Lee a little bit excited. <laughs> so uh, expect to follow from him. I'm, I'm sure he follows you already. Um, so yes, let's get into it uh, let's talk some fantasy handcuffs now for for those of you listeners who are fairly new to fantasy and i don't expect you're all brand new to fantasy some of you might be uh, but we're talking about what's called a fantasy handcuff uh, these guys uh, particularly the running backs are uh, maybe backups or, or even third options that if the main guy the main running back from the team goes down injured or gets suspended or doesn't perform for some reason um, then these these handcuffs are guys that are likely to step up in their place. So you sort of your reserve guys. Um, I think it's p- pretty much the best way of explaining it, Tom, isn't it? Yeah, it works uh, beautifully well. So running back is a fragile position. If if you look at just 2018 starters, I you know backs that that played the majority of, of snaps in week one last year, about 50 percent of them missed time. Um, yep. And in the fantasy world, if, if you miss one game, then it kind of boots you down from being an RB1 down to an RB2. If you miss two games, you might end up being an RB3. If you miss more than three games, you're nobody. So, um, you know, half of the backs that you kind of go into the season thinking these are going to be great are going to be knocked down by injury. So you, you've got to be ready to react really quickly. Otherwise, you know, somebody else is going to do it. And all those guys that become viable options uh, towards the end of the season, they're going to be winning playoff games against you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so what this podcast is, this episode uh, with Tom here is, is gearing you up. It's We're going to discuss probably the, the main guys, actually, um, the, the top, top four running backs. Um, and also we'll, we'll discuss Melvin Gordon's sort of sticky situation that he now finds himself in. <laughs> <laughs> as well as we're at the end of the part, at the end of the show, we'll just go through a few uh, committee backs or some, some sort of training camp battles that we're looking at now this week and, and in the coming weeks in the preseason uh, to see if there is a sort of out and out and number one gonna emerge um but yeah i was just looking back into last year tom I, the one that i kind of picked out there was probably a lot more that i didn't have really time to research properly but the one that stuck out for me as being a handcuff that came in because of a situation was tevin coleman obviously devonta freeman uh, usually the the ball runner there in atlanta he went down all last season with an injury uh with a I think, groin injury it was in the end um then tevin coleman stepped up he was the main guy unfortunately he wasn't all sort of bells and whistles was he but he was still fantasy relevant so i think that that's a it's a tough example because Tevin Coleman was probably drafted in a lot of drafts last season at the end, towards the end of drafts. But still, nonetheless, he was the handcuff. The first guy went down. He stepped up and was the main guy. Yeah, a fascinating guy. He's he's really interesting back. Uh, and obviously, in uh, it comes down to Carl. Shanahan, uh, the head coach out there in San Francisco, he's a really, really interesting running back coach. One of the more 
progressive guys around, I would say. So lots of people will tell you about the Tevin Coleman role or the Devontae Freeman role, but really there's no difference. Um, it's really interesting that Shanahan kind of uses everyone the same. Normally yeah. you can see backs being used different ways, right? There's a receiving back or a third down back or an early down back or whatever. Um, but actually, if you look at all the backs under San Francisco, uh, sorry, under Carl Shanahan, either in San Francisco or going back to Atlanta days, um, then they're very similar in terms of inside versus outside running in terms of uh, pass uh, catching versus rushing splits versus use on down versus use yep. of yards to go everything it's really really interesting so we're kind of looking at them all going yeah there's a handcuff but probably everyone's just going to get some use here as well so out of those three backs really the the question for us is is who's going to be used most and and are they going to be used enough that they can kind of be relevant even as one of a three-headed um beast so who's your money yes. on who, who do you think is kind of top of the heap out there well the, the best the best handcuff this year um I my money is on Latavius Murray actually um, in in New Orleans. Um, I say we're going to touch on him anyway when we speak about Alvin Kamara. But Latavius Murray is a guy for me who's done it in the past at Minnesota. He's proven that he can be uh, a, a decent runner. He's not an elite runner, but he's a decent runner. Should anything happen to Alvin Kamara? Because we know Alvin Kamara is going to be peppered with targets. We know he's going to get plenty of opportunities both running the ball and and from Drew Brees through the air. But if Alvin Kamara goes down, all of that running work is going to go through Latavius Murray, if you ask me. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm, I, I tend to look at some of the guys who have who have specific receiving backs uh, a little bit more. So I mean, we can yeah, call sure. them handcuffs, not sure. But, but someone like James White, um, maybe mm-hmm. Tariq Cohen, uh, love those guys. But the, the person who I yeah. think is the best value, maybe not at the moment, we've got an injury going on, is Dion Lewis. Uh, down in Tennessee. So the whole world and his wife seems to have swallowed this narrative that Derek Henry has suddenly got really good and he's going to get a million carries Mm -hmm. and and kind of be this workhorse back. Um, I don't really believe that, but even if you did, um, then he's injured at the moment. He's going to lose time. He's exactly the sort of back that does get injured uh, when uh, trying to give anybody that sort of workload now. Uh, it's not the 90s anymore. Those guys are going to get hurt. And, and someone like Dion Lewis is, is so much better than every other back on the roster. People like David Fluellen, who? Uh, exactly. Um, then I really like Dion Lewis. I think he's going to be very relevant at some point. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Tennessee backfield because over the over the last uh, couple of weeks, actually, um, I wrote an article, uh, a deep, 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 deep sleepers article, which is on the website, by the way, 410yards.com. Uh, go check it out. Uh, the And one of the running backs that I have talked about that in, in the deep sleepers is a Tennessee running back. It's not Dion Lewis. It's not David Fluellen either. It's a running back <laughs> called Alex Barnes, who's a rookie. Um, and he was a combine superstar uh, and he's actually really talented and he's an undrafted free agent he I have said that if there's going to be a Philip Lindsay this year an undrafted free agent who comes in and takes over it's potentially going to be Alex Barnes so hearing your take there on Derek Henry is music to my ears hearing your take about Dion Lewis not so much not so much I must admit Um, however I, I do think there's a absolutely there's a big chance for someone to step up in Tennessee, whether that be Dion Lewis with his past record, whether that be someone new like Alex Barnes, that's to be seen. Um, but yeah, definitely, that's a situation there which you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Where Derek Henry is, you know, okay, he had what three or four decent games at the end of last season, uh, where he was super, superb, elite level. But he's also got three years behind him where he's not done really a hell of a lot. Yeah, and you look at those four games, everyone kind of remembers those four games being really good. And and he was really good. He, he certainly got a lot of usage and that paid off. But those games were against um, the Jaguars, who were already eliminated from playoffs and kind of playing out the year and were pretty bad. The Giants, who were exactly the same. The Redskins, who were starting Mark Sanchez uh, at quarterback then, were absolutely mm-hmm. atrocious. And then the Colts in uh, Week 17. So fair enough, he had one good game against division rival. But, you know, out of those, then really the Titans were kind of running out the clock against very bad, defeated teams who'd already given up. That's yes. just not something that is repeatable going forward. The Titans are not going to be doing that every week. So, yes, you it's kind of human nature we look at the end of the season we think well that was the most recent thing so they're going to do the same thing going forward and i just don't really see it being the case uh, with tennessee so you look at um just playing time right and that's a that's the best heuristic the most easy giveaway for uh, running back production and over the year derrick henry played 403 snaps and um Dion lewis played 599 so half yeah. again as much playing time over the year 
Um, yeah. And all the coaches are still there. You know, it's basically the, the same people. So um, fine, Derek Henry maybe picks up 60% uh, or maybe 70% something like that. But, it, you know, over time, it's probably going to equal out. Yeah, definitely. And then you take the information, then you take it to your draft day, don't you? You, th- you see that Derek Henry is currently being drafted, I think, maybe in the fourth round, maybe even third round in some sort of uh, just PPR redraft leagues. Mm. And you think that is a big price to pay for someone with a lot of question marks. <laughs> and then that's, this is when you break down the draft as a, as a, as a fantasy player, because you, then you say, well, hang on a minute, I can pick up Dion Lewis in the very late rounds of drafts who might just have as much upside as Derrick Henry on a level playing field. Or you can go down sort of my route and wait until your very, very last pick or even waiver wire in the first couple of weeks where you can pick up potentially an Alex Barnes who might well be the guy if if Derek Henry's not not there in because of injury or because of you know he's is is not the guy that the last four weeks of the year he showed he was then all of a sudden you're picking up bargains and Derek Henry's a nobody again. So that for me is a big sort of X against Derek Henry and the reason why I'm not touching him in any single drafts this year. Yeah, totally agree. There's just not the opportunity cost. So everyone's kind of gone back to grabbing running backs early, right? Because there's only a few bell cow backs and everybody's desperate for yes. those guys. But once you're down in the third round and, and a lot of those top tier guys have gone, then you're looking at everyone with a question mark. And fine, you might believe in Derek Henry. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm too conservative on him. But he's a question mark. For him to be really, really good, the Titans would have to significantly change how they behave for the over the course of a whole season. So do you want to be gambling in the third round? You know, the old saying was you can't win your fantasy draft in the first round, but you can lose it. And the third yes. round is, is not very far as well. So so missing out on a really good, reliable player there, may, some of the wide receivers going in the third round are, are really solid players um, yes. versus gambling on a running back. You know, maybe it pays off. Maybe it works out well for you, but that's not really the way I like to draft. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree with you. So... Without further ado, let's head into these the top four. So we have slightly touched on Alvin Kamara. We'll start at the very top, judging by my rankings, which might not be the same <laughs> as yours. Different people, different opinions. But I have, I currently have Ezekiel Elliott as my number one RB this year. Um, so let's discuss the handcuffs in Zeke's position. Now, we're going to sort of start in the deep end, I think, with, with Zeke, because the two sort of backup running, the handcuff running backs for Zeke are actually two rookies that we don't really know a hell of a lot about. Uh, I don't know how much college football you watch, Tom. I don't know if you're into college football much at all. Um, but the two guys, Tony Pollard and Mike Weber, one's from Ohio State. Ohio, no, I can never say that. It's a bit of a tongue twister for me. <laughs> Ohio State, that's Mike Weber, and Tony Pollard's from the Memphis. Now, if you're looking purely based on statistics from what they did at college, then I personally think Mike Weber from Ohio State uh, is the better running back. Um, he certainly had a better season last season, uh, rushing for just under a thousand yards and five touchdowns. Whereas Tony Pollard, uh, let me just pull up his stats here. He was 552 rushing yards from uh, and six touchdowns. So statistically, Mike Weber the better back coming out there was a bit of a difference with draft Mike Webber was a seventh round Tony Pollard I believe was a fifth round I might be wrong on that one without it in front of me um do you know anything extra about these guys Tom or is it kind of a bit of a wasteland at the moment I mean, I know a little bit about these guys, but I, I kind of tend to cram college um, in January and February. So there's just not enough time to to watch you know, yeah. all of the NFL and college at the same time. So I get to the end of the season and go, right, got a couple of months before draft time. Uh, let's let's pile in then. Yeah. So uh, both these guys, I, I think, have got some upside to them. I wouldn't be surprised if either of them end up being a fairly viable back. I mean, obviously, with Zeke, we're talking about purely a backup because he, he's one of there's only three or four teams that really have a workhorse anymore and he's one of them so he's going to play until the wheels drop off but if he goes down i think either of them are pretty good uh replacements for him the yeah the the cowboys the last couple of years have had fairly varied backs on on the roster and i think they've they've got a bit closer and said look we need someone who's a bit more like for like rather than a kind of specialist uh pass catching back who can do half the job if if z goes down so these these two guys have both got it Mm -hmm. in them but they're going to need to really impress so it's a classic camp uh battle right we just need to be picking up on those reports of who's getting snaps with ones who does well in pre-season uh but at the moment then yeah in deep leagues uh, you can't go wrong with either one of them to be honest yeah sure so let's put an example out here 
as I have with a lot of drafts this year, I've been drafting Zeke 101. Um, personally, I haven't been even sniffing these guys in the late rounds to, to pick up as a handcuff for Zeke. Would you consider picking them up in a draft, in a sort of standard redraft league uh, for, for backing up Zeke? Because these are the kind of guys that I can, I've got imagination here that they're going to be on the waiver wire come week one, week two, even up until Zeke, if he gets injured or banned, because we don't know really what Zeke's like. We know what Zeke's like, so, you know, that's not, uh, you know, that's, that, that could possibly happen. Now, um, well, he's not I'm even right there, report to the team. Yeah, well, he's sitting yeah, down in Mexico true. at the moment, sitting on the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who yes, knows what's going to yes. happen with him? Uh, they're not they're not people I'm going to looking at in the standard redraft league. It, it's just too deep at the moment. So I, I'd much rather have the roster spot to use on someone with a bit more upside at the moment. Um, yeah. Once we get through to kind of week seven, week eight, week nine, then I'll start thinking. All right, is there wear and tear on people? Who's fit? Uh, can we get any inklings about what might happen? Then might be worth stashing then, but I don't think it's worth holding them for you know three months of the year. Yeah. Okay. Let's flip it then. Let's go to let's go to Alvin Kamara. Um, he's my he's my RB four in drafts, but we'll go to him just because it's the sort of complete opposite for me anyway. I don't know about you, Tom, but obviously I've I've mentioned Latavius Murray being my favourite handcuff uh, of the bunch, mainly because I'm actually picking up Latavius Murray in some draft just as a standalone value because I'm looking at New Orleans and seeing what. Um, Mark Ingram did over the last few years, um, last couple of years with Alvin Kamara, and thinking that actually there could be a goal line role there for him. There is touchdown upside for Latavius Murray. Like I said, he's proved it in the past. So Latavius Murray for me is someone that you can draft uh, sort of in the mid to late rounds. I think his ADP is around about the 10th, 11th round at the moment. Um, I'd be more than happy to pick him up and have him as a bench player because if he does get that Mark Ingram role where he is involved in the offense, he does get goal line work, that all translates to fantasy points, doesn't it? Yeah, strongly agree with you. There's definitely two or roles for two different backs in this offense. So even just looking at last year, um, look at carries, not targets at all. And across first, second and third down, then Alvin Kamara got about 55, 60% of carries, um, just comparing him to Mark Ingram last year. But no more than that, uh, apart from the weeks that Ingram mixed. So so you're looking at, assuming Latavius Murray kind of comes in very similar replacement, and he probably will, and you're thinking 40% of all the carries on the Saints are pretty good offense, going to be going straight to Latavius Murray. I wouldn't be surprised mm. if he hit that number at all. So no, he's not going to get a lot of the receiving game at all. The, the percentage share kind of goes up 75, 80% in favor of Kamara, because you know, you're going to throw the ball at one of the more electric back, electric backs in the year uh but definitely love uh, latavius murray um having standalone value and if kamara does go down um i, I don't think they're going to be looking for another back to necessarily throw the ball out that much they're going to be looking at, at changing their passing attack and, and where the ball goes murray is still going to have that role and probably pick up a few more carries so i think he's yeah. he's a really good option at the moment he definitely probably needs to be taken a round or two before you think he's going to go well, funny, I have just looked back on um, Fantasy Football Calculator. I, th- I thought, uh, I th- when I looked a couple of weeks ago, at least, it, it was he was going in the 10th, 11th round. But actually now he's going in the 7th round. So does, does that change your opinion? Is that too early for someone like Latavius Murray when you've still got players like Jordan Howard, Ronald Jones, Austin Eckler still on the board? Um, you know, LaShawn McCoy still on the board. I mean, they're all technically still starters. Uh, we know Latavius Murray is is not a starting running back. So does that change your opinion at all, uh, being, being that his uh, ADP has gone up slightly? You know, it, it probably would have done before you told me the other players in there. And actually, I'm, I hear those names and don't get scared by any of them. Now, okay. Eckler's a, a slightly separate case. You know, number one thing we're looking at is, is opportunity and volume, right? I want snaps and I want carries. Next thing is really efficiency because touchdowns do so much for... Um, to generate value so who do you want uh, you know hoping for for running in short touchdowns with josh allen slinging the ball um in a in low volume game in buffalo or an offense piloted by drew Brees and uh, sean payton two hall of fame offensive um pieces i'm easily going for the saints option here yeah sure and just uh, to to get Back to your point, um, if Alvin Kamara does go down, uh, Latavius Murray obviously we, we think would get the, the the lion's share of the running game. They've also got Buck Allen there, don't forget as well, um, who's obviously a proven pass catcher. So, you know, I think a perfect storm if Alvin Kamara would go down, you'd have Latavius Murray doing the groundwork, the first and second down work, and possibly Buck Allen as the third down guy there. And that also brings him into slight fantasy relevance in deeper leagues. 
Yeah, definitely in PPR as well. And um, yes, the Saints yeah. are sniffing about, um, what's his name, Theo Riddick, uh, this week after he was released by the Lions. So uh, yes. it does seem like they're looking for another back. Um, well, they have, that they makes have sense. just signed Alfred Morris. Oh, well, that's that's not the sort of player I was expecting them to at all. So he's going to be early down um, relevant. I mean, Alfred Morris is is an amazingly one-sided uh, running back. If if you look at, what are the numbers? Something like um, running backs who've had over 250 carries, but fewer than 15 receptions. I think there's only been two examples um, over the last 10 years, and Alfred Morris is one of them. So, oh, you know, yeah. he's very much a ball carrier, not a pass catcher at all. Yeah. Okay. So that. So then, effectively, not that I want to get too much into Alfred Morris discussions, but that could down the line <laughs> affect Latavius Murray value if you know if he does make the fifty-three, if he does sign um, for for the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've got to legitimately worry why they're going out to make that sort of signing this this stage in camp. Maybe he's just not look very good. And before we move on off Latavius Murray, I strongly recommend um, having a look at the the birthday present his uh, girlfriend gave him last year in season. Um, he shared it on Instagram, and it's well worth having a look at. <laughs> Fantastic! I'll go have a look at that now. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna vet myself. Actually, I, I kind of misread the news on Sleeper. It's actually a free agent running back Alfred Morris is on a plane heading to to visit the Saints, so he hasn't actually signed just yet. So okay. maybe we'll just avoid that conversation for now. But it's one to have definitely if he does sign. Uh, let's um, let's move on. Uh, let's head into the, the sort of the. A lot of consensus, number one running back, really, Saquon Barkley. Like I said, for me, he's number two just because of the sort of offense that he finds himself in. Yes, I know he's going to get a lot of the ball, but I don't know how much I trust that O-line. I don't know how much I can trust Eli Manning. It's uh, a sticky situation, and I prefer Ezekiel Elliott's situation. That just defines why they're one and two for me. But Saquon Barkley, if he was to go down... There is a whole host of running backs that are lining up behind him. Which order do you prefer, Tom? I'll ask you this. Uh, you've got to choose between Wayne Gorman, Elijah Penny, Paul Perkins and Rod Smith. Take it away. My golly, that is disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> All right, let's go for who we don't want first off. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to strike Paul Perkins from the record. He's just not very good at football. Um, so I'm definitely not touching him. Um, yeah. Elijah Perry, kind of interesting, but I see him as more a bit more of a gimmick player. So I'm definitely going Wayne Goldman here. Uh, yeah. Rod Smith is... Rod Smith is a really interesting player, actually, because he looks like a power back. He's, uh, yeah. you know, he's, um, what's his name? Uh, Jalen Smith's uh, big brother. And physically, they're quite similar. He's, he's 6'2", 6'3", kind of 225, 230 uh, from the top of my head. But really, right, okay. he, he's actually been pass catching uh, back for most of his um his career. That's kind yeah. of where his strength lies. So really interesting player but he never quite got it done in Dallas um, when Zeke was suspended two years ago he had a golden yep. opportunity played a load but just didn't do a lot so I don't trust him um, Wayne Goldman, the, the Giants actually showed a fair amount of faith in last year um, we, we kind of talk about Saquon and yes he did have obscene value um, but actually Wayne Goldman kind of had a decent amount of that um, that pie. It's not like Dallas uh, or, or Carolina, we'll get to them uh, in a minute, where it's just one guy doing everything. Uh, Wayne Goldman kind of had about 15% of, of the passing and the rushing game in New York last year. So um, the team must like him a little bit. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't be taking Saquon off the field for him uh, when he showed that he can do so much. So I'm definitely going Goldman there. But, you know, we are only hope injury here, right? There's basically no other way he's relevant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I can't see them taking five running backs into the season either. Um, no. So, yeah, I think Paul Perkins is probably the first on the hit list to go um, because, like you said, he is not good at football. <laughs> that is uh, to coin the phrase nicely. Uh, let's head into to Carolina then. Let's talk about uh, the sort of the, the seventh wonder of the world, CMC. Um, you saw the pictures of him bulking up, looking like an absolute unit. Uh, yeah, he's a monster, isn't he? I'm super impressed with uh, Christian McCaffrey. I'd, I'd love him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but if, God forbid, he was to go down, and th I'm going to call him Thor from now on because he looks like Chris Hemsworth. He's like, <laughs> hench. Um, if Thor was to go down in <laughs> in Carolina, you've got to choose between uh, Cameron Artis Payne, who seems to be the guy that just will not die uh, in ca in uh, Carolina. Uh, you've got two rookies, Jordan Scarlett and Elijah Holyfield. Uh, Scarlett is out of Florida and Holyfield out of Georgia. Now, Elijah Holyfield, for me, I don't know about you, Tom, but he, he impressed me last year and I was very surprised that I think he was an undrafted free agent. 
um, as a, as a yeah, he was in the end, um, yeah. or, or certainly very late. And you know who his dad is, of course. Yeah, of course, uh, Evander, the, the boxer. Yeah, so um, he, he certainly got kind of name recognition, and people thought he was getting a lot higher at one point. Mm-hmm. So I actually quite liked him. Watched a bit of um, his tape. Yeah, and I think he's he's a decent player. So quite interested in him but I'm, I'm probably siding with jordan scarlet here i'm okay. kind of fascinated by jordan scarlet i like um how he plays i like the style that he's got he's kind of elbows flying everywhere i like a bit of all action um so uh, christian mccaffrey if they try and give him that same sort of usage as last year is a massive injury risk for me so this is one of the more profitable yeah. um handcuff situations and i would probably go scarlet but holyfield not gonna not gonna tell you off at all um camera artist pain is kind of bottom of the pile right uh, i think we can probably both agree on that uh yeah definitely uh, for me i say I, I i do have holyfield as a nudge over scarlet so literally but like you said i, I wouldn't you know moan at anyone who's taken scarlet over holyfield uh, again it's one of those situations where you if you, you know if you if you've got an inkling that cmc like you said did get a lot of work he can, he could be not prone to an injury but you know he is going to be used so much you know, I don't care how superhuman you are or how Thor-like you are. If you get hit so many times in the season, yep. there is definitely a distinct possibility you could get injured. So exactly, it's th- just wear and tear. I mean, he exactly, missed like yeah. fifteen snaps last year until week seventeen. So yeah. if you look at if you look at how much running backs played last year, then um, number number three was Saquon, eight hundred and fifty-four snaps. Um, number two, Ezekiel, eight hundred ninety-three, and way out, C Mac, uh, number one, nine hundred and sixty-five. So he's yeah. played over 70 snaps more than any other running back. Uh, and that's like, that's two games really in terms of running back snaps. Uh, if you, if you play 18 games instead of 16, you're going to perform really well, but you yeah. can get through one season, maybe avoiding injury, but I wouldn't bet any money on that happening again. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, well, I don't know. He's bulked up. He looks like people are just going to bounce off him. So <laughs> you, you never ever know. But yeah, keep an eye on on the on the training camp and and in preseason. The preseason would be the tell because they're not going to run CMC to the ground in the preseason. They're going to let these rookies, uh, you know, take the take the work. And it will be interesting to see out of those two guys who gets the most work for the preseason because I think that will be a good indication of who Christian McCaffrey's backup will be should he go down. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at actually some of Jordan Scarlett's numbers. So I I kind of like the way he looks on tape, but man, he put in some bad workouts. And athleticism is not the same as production for running back. We we wouldn't suggest it is, but you know, his three cone drill is kind of seven point four, which is I reckon I could beat that. Uh, he's got an amazingly slow 20-yard shuttle. So change of direction um, skills look particularly poor. And then he's got a very low vertical leap as well. So kind of explosiveness, you worry about that as well. I might have to change my mind on that. That is a, a scary bad workout. Okay. So, uh, well, you heard it here, heard it here first, folks. So uh, keep following um, at Tom Degenerate because you're going to see him do a three cone drill very shortly uh, to see <laughs> if he can beat Jordan Scarlett because he's just put his money where his mouth is. No, um, yeah, okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about uh, one of the uh, sort of bigger storylines developing in the NFL as we as we speak. It's the Melvin Gordon uh, saga, which is kind of playing out um, in a Le'Veon Bell style fracas that we don't know how is going to end but the way you have to look at it as a fantasy owner is what if melvin gordon holds out there are two very good options sitting behind him on the depth chart in austin eckler and justin jackson um so for me justin jackson was a rookie last year uh he did impress me he only had 50 uh, rushes but he went for 206 yards two touchdowns uh, they seem to like him in in los angeles but you can't really look past Austin Eckler because he has been the backup for Melvin Gordon over the last two years, three years. I think he's in a contract year this year, I believe. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, I know it's, is it two or three years? I've got myself confused here now. Um, anyway, Austin Eckler seems to be the, the sort of the main guy. What does this do for Austin Eckler's draft stock? That's what I want to know. Oh, well, here's your gamble, right? You've, because uh, if you don't think that Melvin Gordon holdout is going to um, continue, then there's no point in drafting Austin 
Eckler anywhere near the sort of range you're going to have to take him at. Uh, yes. But if if he does win that job, and, and you know the Chargers kind of historically cheap, and that's their reputation, definitely could happen. Um, we've we've seen all the comments about Lev Bell and, and Gordon talking about how much he respects him for that. So it's definitely on the cards to have a lengthy holdout at the moment. But really like Austin Eckler. Um, a year ago, certainly his reputation was kind of Austin Eckler as a, a pass catching, more lightweight uh, running back. But that, that's just not true. He, he very much was used exactly the same way as Melvin Gordon, um, just yep. on a on a lower amount of volume. So really impressive for me last. Year. He was more impressive early in the season uh, rather than later when he had a little bit more volume. Um, but still, I, I think he's going to be a very solid player. So if you're going to end up with him and, and Melvin Gordon does continue, you've got to be looking at a top 20 running back there. Definitely. Yeah. So so he's got league winning upside from where you're getting him at the moment. But people are getting more and more exciting as ADP is rising day by day. So uh, it's got to that point where you can't wait any longer. You, you can't you can't have one foot in and one foot out on this one. You've got to make a decision. You either believe in it or not. Um, yeah. So in terms of classic handcuff, then if you are going to draft Melvin Gordon early, then make sure you get Eckler late. Yeah. So two weeks ago, Austin Eckler was being drafted in the 12th round. He's now being drafted at the back end of the 7th in 12-man leagues. Uh, this is in PPR. So, uh, yeah, it's... It's a situation which is definitely one to keep your eyes peeled for. Uh, but, yeah, the reports coming out of Los Angeles are not good uh, for Melvin Gordon's sort of side if you're on, on his side of the fence because it doesn't look like there's going to be a deal done anytime soon and it would seem that, that Gordon is prepared to dig his heels in until he gets what he wants. Um, you know, the, that's fair play to him for doing that. Obviously, we saw Lev Bell do it last year and it kind of worked. He got a big contract, not as big as what he probably could have got or should have got, however you look at it. Um, but nonetheless, he has got a bit big monster deal over in um, New York uh, for the Jets now. Uh, but yes, uh, heading back to, to Austin Eckler, I'll, I'll correct myself. It is, he's only been in the, in the league two years, not three. Um, but yeah, last year he stepped up 554 rushing yards with three touchdowns. And that's obviously with Melvin Gordon playing 16 games. Um, Six touchdowns. That, that's more than I, I three, remember. Sorry, three, three touchdowns. Oh, three sorry. Touchdowns, sorry. That was just me um, hearing entirely incorrectly. <laughs> it was, sorry, it was six total touchdowns with receiving. Um, so it might have been where I, I might have stumbled there. Um, but no, for, on the on the ground, 5.3 uh, yards per carry uh, career average, which is impressive. You know, anything over four is sort of gets the job done for me at running back. So so yeah, definitely a viable option. Um, so keep keep on the media outlets. Keep looking at the situation as you head into your fantasy drafts over the next three or four weeks to see what's happening because you could well be picking up um, Austin Eckler in the sixth, seventh round and and like Tom said, he's a, he's a top 20 running back. I mean, some people would say he's probably 10, 15, uh, top 15 uh, in, in PPR scoring for sure. He's in a high-powered offense. The Los Angeles Chargers are probably going to make the playoffs. They, you know, they, they look a good team. Um so yeah, I think I even had them down to to get into the Super Bowl maybe this year. Um, <laughs> as yeah, definitely a good scumper, team. Uh, then, sorry, they need to overcome their a bad offensive line. You know, same as the story's been for the last ten years yeah. for the Chargers. Melvin yeah. Gordon's really interesting. So you remember after Melvin Gordon's rookie year, everyone went, "Oh, he's such a disappointment." He was drafted whenever yes. it was eleventh overall, yes. something like that, and failed to score a touchdown. And everyone went, "That's a disastrous thing." And then last year, he basically had exactly the same number of touches, but managed 14 touchdowns instead of none. And everyone's like, oh, Melvin Gordon's amazing. So the difference yeah. in, in volume of targets and touches from Eckler to Melvin Gordon is not actually that crazy. It's nowhere near as much as it is for someone like um, Zeke or Christian McCaffrey. It's kind mm -hmm. of, you know, a one and a two situation. But really, the the number of difference in number of touches is 50 or 60 over the year, something like that, rather than 200. So I think Eckler is, is a fantastic buy at the moment and even if you even if melvin gordon's holdout ends um selling and, and not buying at the price based on the fact that people have kind of valuing him as a 14 touchdown player is probably sensible yeah definitely definitely agree um yeah interesting situation indeed and probably the the sort of the highest profile news offensively anyway the highest profile news to uh, to keep keep your eyes peeled for this pre-season and training camp. Um, let's move on, Tom. We've got sort of five minutes left. Let's quickly just brush over some of the sort of training camp battles we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. Uh, some sort of teams that haven't got an out-and-out -out starter just yet. I want to know your takes here. Um, so the ones that come to mind, and I did we did sort of talk off-air about these guys, uh, 
who have you got in Seattle? Obviously, uh, Chris Carson is sort of you'd expect to be the lead guy there, but a lot of noise from Rashad Penny this off season. Yeah, Rashad Penny was was one of those players whose college tape really did stand out. Um, so he mm-hmm. played out in San Diego State, was it? Um, and kind of came out of the same system as yes. Donnell Pumphrey had two thousand year, uh, yards the the year before. So. I was a huge fan of Rashad Penny coming out, um, but last year was was pretty darn disappointing. He did all right with the number of touches he got. Um, if anybody was at the the Wembley game when the Seahawks played the Raiders, and he had one particularly good carry, I, I think. So, you know, if you see it in person, it kind of sticks in your mind a little bit more. Yes, it, it, it really feels like it, it's going to be a much more even split this year. But also you look at both of them and go, well, I, I, I can't. I can't trust you to be a top 12 running back because I just don't think you're going to get that many touches for either of them. Uh, having a committee like that is just going to hurt both of them. So big fan of both players, uh, but they both feel like top 25 backs rather than either of them feeling like top 12. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I agree with you. Uh, okay, let's take it to the, the muddied waters in San Francisco. We have sort of touched on the Kyle Shanahan offense earlier on in the podcast, but uh, let's let's quickly run through it here. Is there any one of those sort of four or five running backs there that stand out for you i think (laughs) for me there has to be some has to be some smoke with that with fire when it comes to tevin coleman because obviously going back to kyle shanahan shanahan obviously wanted him in the free agency that made a splash that screams for me he's going to be the lead guy but there is still some different opinions out there what sort of who are you siding with I'm, I'm basically I'm siding with no one. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty even. I think that those those top three guys are all going to get some some work. So yes, you're yeah. absolutely right. They, they did pay a lot of money for Tevin Coleman, but a year before they paid a lot of money for Jared McKinnon as well. True. And I don't really believe that because he got hurt, they changed their mind. They've decided that they're, they're not in on him. Um, Jared McKinnon, athletically and, and style wise, very similar to Devontae Freeman, who obviously was a star under Kyle uh, Shanahan. I, I tend to avoid Tevin Coleman, and you know, let's argue. You can tell me why you like him tevin coleman for me is, is a weird player because he's very fast but he's got no wiggle room at all you, you can point him in one direction and fire him and he is uh well in my opinion and the stats back it up the most outside running back in the league no other back yes. uh, runs outside as much as he does and that's really you kind of run to the edge and get him in space and and see if he can run past somebody and i i just don't trust that i, I don't think he's as good as the others. So Jeremy McKinnon is a really interesting athlete, never quite done it. Uh, Matt Breeder, I thought was fantastic as a receiver last year and, and probably their, their best back for the year. So I'm honestly, I see them all kind of getting about the same amount of volume. Uh, and again, that's going to be really frustrating for running a week by week basis. They all have big weeks, but it probably matches up with big plays and touchdowns. And that's going to be really hard to predict. Yeah. I, it's hard to argue with that. Um, however, the, the one thing that, like I said, it sticks out to me that he's back with Carl Shanahan and, and Shanahan, he, like he had Derek McKinnon, he's got Matt Breda, he's got Raheem Mostert in the back, he's got, uh, who's the other guy, Jeff, um, Jeff Wilson, oh, the extra All Blacks uh, winger. Yeah. So, you know, they've got, they, they had enough guys there to see them through the season, a good, a good amount of talent. So why feel the need to bring in Tevin Coleman if you're not going to use him? And I think the last time that Tevin Coleman was with Shanahan, he had his best receiving year, at 31 receptions, 421 yards, three touchdowns. He scored the most rushing touchdowns um, in his career per season. It was eight in 2016. So, you know, he went from having his best season under Shanahan to two kind of average seasons after that. So I just wonder if there's some magic there to be had again uh, under Kyle Shanahan. And I, I just think that, I don't know, someone's just telling me inside that, that Shanahan wouldn't have made that move unless he wanted to make Tevin Coleman the guy. And we hear that, you know, Jerick McKinnon might be coming back to training camp, but he's still not 100% healthy. So mm. is he going to be ready to go for the season? Well, you know, we don't know. We think so. Um, but I just so wonder, I, I think, I... go on. I think you've answered it there. The reason why, why they have gone out uh, to get him is, is just because they needed more depth. So last year they started the season with Alfred Morrison um, and, well, wanted to have Alfred Morrison and Jerry McKinnon. McKinnon got hurt, so they went into the year with um, Alfred Morrison, Matt Breeder, who nobody yeah. knew at all at the start of last year. Alfred yeah. Morris was pretty bad, let's be honest, and was kind of out of the picture by week six or so. Matt Breeder pre- did pretty well, but then they had to rely on Raheem Mostert. 
Um, and then later in the year, once uh, Mostert was hurt and Alfred Morris had kind of gone, they, they had to use Jeff Wilson, who had a couple of big games, but really is nothing special. So, you know, they've just come off a year and, and the 49ers have been snake bit with injuries in lots of positions uh, since Shanahan's been there. When when they spent seven of their weeks of the year relying on Matt Breeder, who nobody knew, and Jeff Wilson, who nobody knew. So yeah. you know, I think they've gone... We, we can't just have one lead back and assume he's going to be fit like it's 1997. We really need a much deeper position. Yeah, okay. That's fair. I think we can, we'll agree that it's going to be a committee. Um, we'll, disagree. <laughs> yeah. we'll disagree that I think it'll be Coleman that takes the sort of the semi-lead on it. I think it'll be 1A to Jarek McKinnon's 1B. But fair enough. I can get behind that, sir. I mean, it's really interesting. There's a lot of potential to be wrong here. And and it's, as I said earlier, it's one of the more fascinating running uh, games in the league. It's very zone heavy. They do interesting stuff. The passing game is excellent if uh, Jimmy G's got his head around it. So I really hope the 49ers can stay healthy as a roster and actually get to, to show Shanahan's coaching a bit better. Yeah, uh, the 49ers are, are splitting the full 10 yards team uh, on the podcast last week. Well, for the last few weeks, it's been uh, Lee versus Tim. Tim's been very low on the 49ers. <laughs> thinks they're uh, going to be one of the sort of top 10 picks for, for next wow. season's draft. But Lee thinks they're going to make a playoff run. So, um, you know, it's very interesting. I'm sort of sat in the middle thinking, yeah, they could be like a 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight team. Uh, they've got a lot of potential to be good. You've got a lot of young players. I love Dante Pettis, uh, George Kittle. The defense is, is young. And, and decent so um, they're definitely a team that I'm looking forward to watching actually this year um, and it'll be interesting to see how these running backs play out now before we lose you Tom just one more team to go through real quickly um, and I'm going to bring back an old flame I was thinking about this today when I was at work actually um, Giovanni Bernard does he have any value in fantasy this year let me try and sell you on him before you answer that question Giovanni Bernard, obviously from the Cincinnati Bengals, he's been there. He's in a contract year. First, most, first important point. He's in a contract year, so he's going to be out to prove something. Second most important point. We've just seen AJ Green go down yet again with uh, a, a serious injury. It was a, a torn ligament, uh, I believe, in his ankle. Um, the, the Bengals seem to think he's going to be back in four weeks. Uh, absolutely no chance. Um, I think the, the scale <laughs> is six to eight weeks minimum. So I don't think we're going to see him for the first part of the season. So with a, a depleted O-line, uh, with Jonah Williams going down earlier in the off-season and another one of their offensive linemen retiring, a depleted O-line, lack of pass catchers, is it time for Gio Bernard to come back in this offense and be the guy that he was a couple of years ago with Jeremy Hill running the ball, Giovanni Bernard catching the ball? It's an old trusty friend for Dalton. Is there any way we can buy into this? Yeah, I, I, I think there could be, actually. So new coaching scheme, obviously, uh, and, and we're probably going to see a little bit of that Rams uh, scheme implemented there. Um, so take it with a pinch of salt, we'll see. But even last year, Gio Bernard had a bigger slice of the pie than most people realise. Everyone kind of loves Joe Mixon, right? Uh, certainly as a prospect and a player. And and I heard him describe brilliantly, I think it was Scott Barrett, uh, said um, he's, he's not quite a workhorse back, but he's certainly straddling the, the, the line of heavily used back but um last year in terms of targets and joe mixon had 55 Gio bernard had 48 so roughly equal even though mixon had five times the number of carries uh, bernard does. so he's a limited player but we know what he can do and there's no reason why they they don't use him to do it i think so yeah i i think he's going to go into this year as a specialist pass catching back but we, we've seen that be really effective that's what james white was last year um, that's what Theo Riddick was a couple of years ago. So I'm, I quite like Gio Bernard. You can get him very late. And compared to the sort of players he's going around, he's definitely got the upside. Yeah. I I did. I had the luxury of asking Giovanni Bernard a question uh, when he came over to London in July. Nice. I, I asked him actually quite a hard-hitting question. I got a bit of reaction from the people <laughs> in the room. Uh, it, it was along the lines of, you're in a contract year. Um, how does that affect you mentally with the two rookies coming into the team as well? Um, obviously, mm. we know Rodney Anderson, Trayvon Williams are, are very talented young backs. And he just said, look, I have proved my worth to the Bengals. They know what I'm capable of. So I think that was key because that, that sentence there, now they've got all these players going down around them. He might need to be relied on. And 
we've seen in the past he can do it you know um yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting we know he could be effective through the receiving game last year was his down year really 218 yards before that uh 2017 389 yards 336 yards 472 yards that's all just receiving yards so we know he can be used in that game and i wonder if it's time to call him for, for dalton to call him old faithful in giovanni bernard so another one that you can draft way later on in in drafts um fancy drafts this year um you pick him up in the last few rounds so um it could be a very nice dart throw in ppr leagues yeah strongly agree i really like him uh, as you say they brought in two rookies uh basically one as backup to each of those backs but i, I kind of expect uh both of them to get a mystery injury and to end up an ir for their rookie year mm-hmm. yeah um roddy anson i mean I, I was banging the drum for roddy anson um at the draft because for me he was the best talent running back very talented unbelievable uh, but the injuries right he's never yeah, been able exactly. to stay healthy so uh, it exactly. kind of feels like they're going to go look, let, let's hold on to him we see this happening yep. all the time in the nfl we'll get him in the system we'll make sure he's fit and then we'll give him a chance to compete next year exactly exactly that Tob thank you so much for coming on and, and talking fantasy um, handcuffs with me um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you I uh, hope you've enjoyed your time on the 14 yards podcast um, so just tell the listeners once again where we can find you on, on the Twitter and uh, in different avenues so you can find me on the tweets at Tom Degenerate. Uh, come and hit me up. Um, you'll probably see a lot of graphs there, mainly about running backs, but probably quite a lot about defensive players as well. So apologies for so that. so good. Oh, They're well, so good. Uh, a dorky apologize. good, somewhere <laughs> like that. Um, apart from that, if you're interested in, in the dynasty aspects of, um, of fantasy football, then hit me up at DLF, um, or you can read my work in Gridiron. There we go. Folks, go give Tom a follow. It is well worth it. Um, He'll definitely give you some fantasy football insights. And for those of you who play IDP, definitely um, a big follow as well. So, again, thanks very much, Tom, for coming on. And hopefully we can speak to you again shortly. It's been a delight. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great fun. Thank you so much for Tom for coming in and giving up his time to speak to us here at the 14 Yards Fantasy Podcast. I hope you've taken away uh, some some good info from that because uh, it's quite a key subject as we head into the season. There's always injuries. Usually running backs do get hit with with injuries, so it's definitely worth, as you head into the fantasy draft season, checking who is your main running back's backup and potentially drafting them with the, with one of the last spots, uh, if not definitely keeping an eye on the waiver wire. But yeah, what a great show. Fantastic. It was so good to talk to Tom, and definitely looking forward uh, to the next couple of weeks. Like I said at the beginning of the show, we've got some major guests lined up. Mike Taglier coming on Wednesday. Chris Meany as well from the Fantasy Footballers. Uh, he's going to come on the show soon. I haven't confirmed a date with him yet, but uh, he's a good friend of mine, so we'll, we'll get him on the show uh, as soon as we can and talk some, some DFS, talk some daily fantasy for, uh, for you some draft kings uh, that sort of thing um, and as well do check out the website keep checking it every day because there's new articles dropping uh, on there not just for fantasy but for college as well uh, that's lee's domain he's he's keeping on top of that he's got some brand new writers which is exciting for him the brit ball gets an update every week as well uh, tim and tim and tom uh, they, they sort that out between them uh, so there's some good content on there if you follow Britball and, and Adam of course Adam Walford he is uh, heading up the betting department so uh, keep your eyes peeled for some uh, off season bets uh, heading into the season um, but yes it's, it's all happening here at the 410 yards it's an exciting time to be an analyst it's an exciting time to be a part of this crew uh, and we hope that we are delivering so far but keep your eyes peeled as the slogan is for us and we will catch you real soon all 10 yards take it easy peeps thanks for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com